When I was a kid, we had opposite day. I don't know what happened to opposite day. Um, you remember, for me, it was fun to see the teachers dress up as kids and the kids dress up as teachers. It was opposite day. Or maybe you had an opposite day where you wore two different kinds of shoes that day and weird socks, right? It's just fun kid holiday to do. Do they still do opposite day? Do they still do it? I'm getting a big thumbs down. All right. Something must have, somebody must have gotten sued. I don't know, but... <laughs> opposite day. I saw a meme the other day. Any Seinfeld fans in the house? Raise your hand. It's okay. You can do this in the house of God. All right. I saw a meme the other day, and it took me back because it was George Costanza, who is hilarious in the show, and it, it said, make better life decisions, do the opposite. Now, if you're a real fan, you remember the episode that was called The Opposite, where George, George is a disaster. Okay, like he's, he is, he's a, just a disaster. Everything he's doing is horrible. Like every choice he makes is self-destructive. And so he just finally throws his hands up and he says, if everything I'm doing Lee, is wrong, I'm just gonna do the opposite. So he starts doing the opposite of his instincts. He gets a girl, he gets a job with the Yankees. I mean, all of a sudden he is just flying high and it's a hilarious show. But there's something to it. There's actually a saying, see what everyone else is doing, then do the opposite. Have you heard that in leadership? Uh, Warren Buffett says it this way, kind of a different take, but Warren Buffett says it this way, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy where others are fearful. You know what he's saying there? He's saying when you see the herd moving that way, you need to start thinking about moving this way. You need to do the opposite. Well, in a world that we live in where power is king, where we live to soar above and get the adrenaline rush of the flex. Where we love the flex, we love the feel of power. And if we were truly honest, there's something inside of us that at times likes feeling a little bit superior. We might call it special, but a little superior. It's in our sinful nature, but we're in a world that we live to be catered to. We live to be served. We like to be the center. In a world like that, today we're going to unlock a text where Jesus Christ is leading us into opposite day. In a world that says grab all you can, be all you can, by grabbing all you can, no matter how many people you step on to get there, Jesus is saying do the opposite. The truth that you will hear today, I have seen unlock career lids. I have seen unlock relational intimacy. The key today is the key for your life. Welcome, it's opposite day. Matthew chapter 20. If you're ready, be with me. Say I am. All right. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mothers of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before Jesus, kneeling before him, she asked him for something. Sons of Deb Zebedee had a nickname, Sons of Thunder, which again, man, Jesus is good at nicknames, guys. Like, if I had a nickname, Jesus called Peter the Rock, 
He called these guys the sons of thunder. Man, call me the son of thunder. Call me thunder. When I walk out to preach, thunder, ah, thunder. That's my walk-in music. And it's biblical. All right. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he knew that they were not. He knew that these sons of thunder that in their current state not yet experienced the crucifixion, not yet experienced the resurrection, not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, not yet been equipped for every good work, that they would, they would fall away. And so would we. He said to them, you will drink my cup. So he knows you will follow me. These two boys are gonna follow me and they will drink my cup. She thought that was a great honor. He's talking about suffering. The cup of suffering he was about to drink was the cross. He knew these boys were gonna experience some serious suffering. You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. Again, such humility even with his words. He demonstrates humility, but he speaks. He, he disciplines his mouth to predetermine where his behavior is about to go. And that's a great lesson for all of us. You wanna be humble? You wanna have this opposite day mentality? You need to let your words take you where your emotions don't even wanna go yet. Start speaking it in faith. I love you. I don't feel like I love you. I love you. You are wonderful being a real jerk right now, but you are wonderful. You let your words chart a path toward where you're going. That's what Jesus is doing. And Jesus here is humbling himself. He's saying, my job is not to hand out positions like that. That's what the Father does. Now this is the great I am. This is the Lamb of God. This is co-creator of the cosmos. He is one with triune God, and he right now is humbling himself saying, uh, that's his job. Wow, with his words. And when they had heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. When the ten had heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and that their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, opposite day. Whoever would be great among you, but it shall not be so with you. Whoever would be great among you, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here Jesus, the word of God, is saying in a world that says flex, do the opposite. And the world that says serve me, do the the opposite, in a world that sticks out and puffs out its chest to show you how special we are, Jesus says, 
It's opposite day. Do the opposite and specifically serve. Serve others. Serve others. It's not easy to serve others. It's not easy. Look, this is not one of those churches where we're going to tell you, serve others, and and you're going to love it, and you're going to want to do it, and and I expect you to do it, and if you don't want to do it, what is wrong with you? Are you dead inside? What's wrong with you? No, I want to keep it real. It's not natural to have a mindset to serve others. Humility is not a default setting in your DNA. You have to activate humility. You have to activate service to others. You have to activate loving one another as Christ has loved us. You have to activate that. It is hard to serve others. There is a gravitational pull. It's like whenever you go to a beachy destination. I grew up in a house where we would go to the mountains and I never thought I would like the beach. Then I got married, Susan likes the beach. All of a sudden, I like the beach. I like the beach. So I began to go to the beach and we would even vacation down in Florida in that beautiful, beautiful stretch of water that's just a gift to America, it's incredible. We'd be down there in that seaside area, Santa Rosa Beach area, Sandestin, wherever you are in that zone. And have you ever seen your kids out there and they're playing and they're playing and then they just drift and you're like, hey, 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 you know, get over here. And they just keep on drifting. They keep on drifting. Why? Because they are in a current. It's in their nature to not keep their eyes on you. They're playing with one another and, and they're being swept in the current ever so gently and sometimes strongly away from home. And so our job as parents is to continually realign them with home, especially when they're younger. When they're older, it's like, see at lunch. (laughs) But, right? But the point is this, there is a current of culture that would take you away from serving others. There's a current in culture, sometimes it's the friends that you run with and they feed this mindset of take, flex, keeping up with the Joneses, or, or just it feels good to flex. You like the flex, and you like being with the people who flex, and it just feels right, and so you're in the zone, and it's keeping you away from God's design to lift up others in your life, to see them, to not treat them as merely a means through which you, you gain your success. Are you a transactional person? Maybe in the swift of culture, you've, it's, it's actually worked for you that you've made some money being a transactional person. You know what a transactional person is? I, I love you as long as you're helping me. Like we're gonna be talking every day as long as we're on the same thing and you're helping me. But the minute you switch a team, the minute you switch a job, the minute that you're out of my zone where you're helping me, I really, I'm not even thinking about you anymore. Versus a relational person where you see the people on your team. You notice there is a stress there. I could go on and on. God begins to change you. But you have to activate something to see people. You have to activate something to be humble. You have to activate something. Something has, because there's a cultural current in our careers, there's a cultural current in our relationships, there's a cultural current, hey, there's a current inside of your heart 
Like every single one of us has a current inside of our soul that we move away from God's design. There's something inside of us that pulls. We call it our sin nature. It pulls. Uh, Romans, Book of Romans says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all get our aim off. We miss the mark. And it's a pull. The default setting for your life is not up, it's down. Our default setting in our broken state is not life, it's death. You gotta know that. So to choose life in your marriage, to choose life in your parenting, to choose life in healthy friendships, to choose life in the way that you interact with others in your career, you have to decide it. You've gotta activate it. You can't just chill on the couch. Something has to turn on. Are you with me, 11 o'clock? It's not easy. You have to deny your instincts for comfort at all costs. It takes a commitment to activate your life towards others. Why don't you serve? Why don't I serve? Why don't, why don't we serve others? Here's a few reasons I've seen. Number one, I'm too busy. Yeah, we're busy. We're busy people. I mean, I don't even need to really talk about this one. But we are busy, busy culture. I'm too busy. I don't have enough extra time on my hands. And serving others is way down the list of priorities. Number two, it won't, I won't make a difference. I mean, I see the gifts of others, and they're so, wow. I mean, I don't know that I have a lot to offer. I'm probably not going to make a difference anyway. I don't even know that they need me. So you don't serve. Number three, I've had some bad past experiences. I've had some bad past experiences, okay? Um, that's real. Maybe you... Uh, Maybe you had an experience where you were serving with a group of people and you were friends for a little bit, but then you got a little sideways with one another and that bad experience kind of pushed you away from serving. You just left the team. Or maybe you even had a problem with a leader. Or maybe you never got the call back. And maybe even something happened at Keystone where you just like got a bad taste in your mouth, even here. And that could happen even here. Now, some of y'all are shocked because you think this is like, you've been looking for the perfect church. You're like, I think I found the perfect church. Can I help you? I really want to help you. Like, we're not, we're not a perfect church. I don't want to inflate the balloon so big that it'll be popped by the slightest little misstep. Right? Like, we're not a perfect church. Because we are not perfect people. So we're like, oh, I mean, I'm not that bad. <laughs> no, you have pride. See, we're, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. That means we're not going to be perfect people. But here's my promise to you that this church is committed. Though we may not be perfect today, we're serving a perfect God. And the more time we spend with him, the better we get every day. I'm not the same person I was five years ago. <laughs> we're going to get better at this. So if you'll go on the ride with us and cover us with some grace... Yes, we will stumble, and yes, we may make a misstep, but boy, I tell you, don't let that be the reason that you stop serving. I've had some bad experiences. Fear, like I don't know what to do. I'm gonna feel weird doing it. People are gonna laugh. Or I had a guy come up to me after the nine o'clock, and he said to me, here's my reason why I don't serve. I was like, bring it, big boy. He said, I don't want to. <laughs> Now, he had a lanyard around his neck, so he clearly he's made the choice to serve, but he was being really honest. He said, I really don't want to serve. Like, that's how, I love this place, y'all. 
I don't want to serve. And I'm like, well, you are. <laughs> he said, when my heart tells me I don't want to serve, I know I need to immediately start serving. Yeah, isn't that great? That's so real, that's so good. So there's a lot of reasons. Let me give you a scripture to help you. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. The Bible says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Well, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I wanna unpack for you what he's saying here. You may have a lot of excuses to sit on the bench. You may have a lot of excuses to get out of the game. You may have a lot of excuses, but what God is saying here is, I've given you the freedom to set the snooze on your alarm clock whatever time you want. I've given you the freedom to control your calendar. I've given you the freedom of what you're gonna do with your, with your money. I have given you the freedom of, you could say yes or no to serving. I have given you that freedom. That's what he's saying. But then he takes a step further. I'm asking you, God is asking us to use that freedom he has given us to choose to serve others. I've given you the freedom to set the alarm clock whenever you want. Would you use your freedom to set it in time to be early so you could serve and attend on a weekend? I've given you the freedom of your calendar, but you make it a priority that I'm gonna be a consistent, consistently in the house, not once a month, not just every once in a while, but I'm gonna consistently make this a regular rhythm of my weekly diet because I believe my family needs it, I need it, and I believe it honors God. I'm using the freedom he's given me to make the choice to serve others. That is a revolution. Or I use my freedom to say, no, God, I will not. That's where we're at, according to Galatians chapter five. Today, we're gonna give you a very clear, clear choice. We've actually scheduled the service to be an abbreviated service. If y'all can really preach with me, if y'all can get loud and just encourage me, it gets shorter. <laughs> but, uh, but the truth is that today, as soon as we get up and as soon as we walk out, here's what's gonna happen. In the Great Hall, you may have noticed it when you came in, we have these towers, and these towers uh, have different ministry areas right there. Today, you're gonna have an opportunity to go to one of those towers and say, I'm in, let's go. And we'd encourage you to choose one. Like, just choose one to commit to that, this, hey, I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna try this. Now, here are the towers that we have. The first tower that we have, the first little spot that we have is called Keystone Unlocked. And it's right by the fireplace, Keystone Unlocked. Keystone Unlocked is the stop you go to if you've never been through Keystone Unlocked. Because Keystone Unlocked equips you to serve at Keystone. It is the first step towards serving. So if you've never been through Keystone Unlocked, go to the Keystone Unlocked Tower, and then we'll be able to talk to you about all the other areas. Now, after you connect at Keystone Unlocked, we have, a, we have one next Sunday night, and I'll be there. It'll be awesome. Next Sunday, or next Sunday after the 11, I should say, 
Next Sunday after the 11, we'll have a Keystone Unlock, and then you'll begin to explore with coaches kind of what would fit you. So it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for you. So go to Keystone Lock booth and let that be your first step. And then when you're done signing up for that, you can wander around and start talking to the leaders at the other areas. There's no problem with that. You could go to the kids area. I was expecting some hooping and hollering right there. You could go to the kids area and unlock life for kids. You could go to the worship and production area. Yeah, I was a little weak, worship and production, but <laughs> you, they're all yelling from behind that wall over there. But um, you go to the worship and production area and help set the table to, to, to worship God. Uh, social media and photography, which puts a long tail on our ministry and sends it out all over the world, literally. And then our guest experiences, which is parking. Wild men, where are you? It's our parking, it's our, our room hosts, it's, uh, it's our greeting, it's, it's our hospitality, it's all the things we do for guests and for, and for the Keystone family to make a weekend a special thing. So in a moment, we're all gonna stand up and you'll be out earlier than we normally are. We've made some time so you can actually linger and go to those stations and say, I'm in. I choose to use my freedom today to decide I will serve others. Because greatness is serving others. Greatness is seeing others. And there's no one who demonstrated this more than the great one himself, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 13, Jesus was having his last moments before he went to the cross. He was having his last moments before the cross. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and then he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. His last moments, what would you and I do if we knew it was our last moments and where we were headed was suffering that would end our life? What would you do? I would want like an amazing dinner. Like, give me Bob's, give me Papa's brother's steak, give me something like just epic, right? You too. Give me, give me the people I love. Give me family. Let's watch some family movies. Maybe some people that are friends that have just been in the trenches and with just a look, it's all that's needed. It's history. That's what, that's what I would do. I would maybe do something really fun. I don't know what it would be, but fun. Play basketball with Beck, I don't know, fun. Pickleball? I've never done that. I, I hear it's fun. I hear it's if tennis and ping pong had a baby. Pickleball. <laughs> so I've never done it. But you're wanting to squeeze the last moments, knowing you're about to die and you're about to suffer you want as much pleasure as you can get out of those last minutes, right? Here's what Jesus did. Rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him, knowing, listen, they didn't have socks, they didn't have tennis shoes, they didn't have paved roads, and they didn't drive cars. Compared to that world, paved roads means clean. 
paved roads means there's no animals on the road. Automobiles mean no dung on the ground where you're walking. No socks, but sandals. So you're walking through filth every day. So it's customary in a house, you have a slave who would wash the disgusting feet, really, to prepare them for dinner in a clean environment. It was hospitality and it was healthy. He, he poured water into a basin. His last minutes spent engaging them, cleaning them. In verse 12, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and you call me Lord and you are right, I am. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do it. I just... Imagine what it was like that they're all sitting there and they're waiting for a servant or a slave to come up and come on, we gotta, we gotta do this. I'm hungry, it's time to eat, let's go. We gotta, this, we missed a step. <laughs> but Jesus had set, held them back. He said, I have other plans. And he took the bowl. He took the garment. This is what Jesus did, as best as I can think of it. He dipped one side in, all 12. Took the foot of Peter, and he's washed the filth from his feet. In his mind, he said, I know that it won't even be 24, 48 hours. You, you will deny me. I'm gonna wash your feet, though I know that you'll be embarrassed to even be associated with me. You're gonna wither away, strong Peter, my rock. You're gonna wither away. You'll have no courage whatsoever. You want nothing to do with me, and yet you tell me, never would I forsake you. You'll forsake me soon. I'm gonna wash your feet. You come over. John. I'm gonna wash your feet. He'd wash John's feet. As he washed them, he said, oh, John, your mother, she just asked for you to have a privileged place. John, I know that, that you are going to suffer so hard. You're gonna suffer so hard. They're gonna try to kill you and you won't die. And they're gonna try to kill you and you won't die. So finally, they're gonna send you in exile to live out your life totally alone with only God to speak to. Oh, John, as I wash your feet, my heart is broken for what you're about to experience. Thomas, you're going to doubt me. All 12, how long did it take him to wash these feet? Did he wash the foot of Judas?
He'd already sold them out. Judas, give me your foot. He began to wash the foot of Judas, the one who would betray him. Judas, I know you've been stealing from me. These guys don't know it yet, but I know you've been stealing. You've been taking the money. And then you're so judgy when we don't spend it the way you want it. I know you, you don't like me. I've disappointed you. You wanted something else. I don't align with your worldview. And Judas, I'm going wa- to wash your feet. I'm, I love you, Judas, and I know I'm washing your feet, and I know you'll never choose me. I know you will reject me to the very end. I know you will mock me. I know you've sold me out. And I know that at your hands, I'm going to suffer insufferable things. But Judas, I love you, even though I know you will never love me back. How long did it take for him to wash the feet? Because every foot, he knew the story. And my friend, he washes your feet when he went to the cross and he knows your story. That is the great I am, as the band comes. That is the risen Lord. This is the celestial king. And he gets on his knees, and he encounters our filth. He meets us at our need. You are embarrassing yourself with your shame, and he washes your feet. You want nothing to do with him. You've bowed your back and he washes your feet. You've done nothing to earn it. You've done nothing to deserve it. And he is no slave. He is the king, but he humbles himself like a slave to love you, to serve you. How much more should we humble ourselves to the person to our right? Not because of anything they'll do for us. They may have rejected you, they may never do one thing for you, but I'm going to love you as Christ has loved me, not for you, I'm gonna do it for the Savior who put his hand on my foot and he encountered my filth and he washed me clean that I may sit and dine with him with freedom, not filth. So today, we're gonna sing, build this church because it's gonna be this opposite day attitude of serving that's gonna build this church. And I'm gonna ask you, when we stand to our feet in just a moment, that we leave our seats and we go into that great hall and we choose with the freedom that God has given us, I choose to serve, I choose to love others, I choose to make a difference, I will not stay seated down, that the world, when they come and they see how many of us are serving and they see the heart with which that we are serving them and how we love them with no strings attached, they would say, what is this place? What are they doing here? Why do they love me like that? I don't understand it, but I like it, and I want to know more. And you say, it's all about Jesus, my friend. Let me tell you the story of how he changed my life. Come on. Let me tell you the story of how he met me in rags, and he gave me robe, how he washed my feet, and he made me clean. Let me tell you about my Jesus, and I'm going to serve you as well as I can. And it won't be perfect, but I'm going to serve you the way he served me. So let's stand to our feet, church, and let's get our voices ready, because we're going to build this church with a heart that says, I love Jesus, and I'm going to love you with the love that Jesus loved me. Let's give him praise, church. Come on.